fraternal greetings and a warm welcome to you. We're glad that you could join us on the Ashlers podcast, a space for the world's oldest fraternity to shine some light through Masonic paper readings, discussions, interviews, and more. Freemasonry is so old that our lifetime wouldn't be enough to capture its grandeur in the entirety. However, all things great should begin somewhere, and so we are thrilled to start off with season one, which will focus on Freemasonry and its roots in India, one state at a time. As a disclaimer, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely of the participants and do not represent any official positions including those of any grand lords or constitutions thereof best efforts have been made to keep the conversation on the level for brethren and non masons alike Hello and welcome everyone to yet another episode of The Ashlers. I am Shashir and I am Ranesh. Now, for those of you who have been following our journey up until now, this might be a little exciting for you because this uh special episode is like a bonus that we're trying to do since season 1 is coming to a closure it's pretty much come to a closure actually and for those of you who are not familiar with our podcast or are maybe listening to it for the first or second time let me give you a quick gist as to what this is all about season 1 focused mainly on the spread of masonry in india we try to cover it by state some cases we covered a few states together depending on how much information we were able to gather now 23 episodes down the line this is 20, this is the 23rd episode by the way so you know these many episodes down the line we have completed covering all the states and union territories of our great country india but you know what india or rather this entire subcontinent right was a very different country politically back in the day when british was still in our country at that point of time if you see the map the uh, entire landmass was much larger right pakistan uh, myanmar bhutan sri lanka all of them were like you know more or less like one single landmass it only got separated and divided and what not at a later stage where i'm trying to get to with this is that the british turn out to be like a catalyst to bring masonry into all these different lands now that we have covered all the states and union territories of india it only makes sense to also explore and talk about the existence of masonry in the neighboring countries of india and that's what this episode will be all about one important thing this is a two part episode so this is part 1 we will be talking about countries where masonry once existed but in the present time it sadly does not so we will talk about those countries in this episode stay tuned for part 2 of this episode where we will talk about those countries where masonry is still existing to day all right so uh, ranesh over to you to begin our episode thank you shishu for that 
Well, the countries that share borders with India are Afghanistan and Pakistan to the northwest, uh, China, Nepal, and Bhutan to the north, Bangladesh and Myanmar to the east, and Sri Lanka and Maldives in the south. So let's go through each of these countries and give a brief gist about them, especially the countries where Freemasonry once existed. Shishir. All right, so I'm going to start off with Afghanistan. Now, the name Afghanistan, so there's a bit of an interesting thing to it. The root name, that is Afghan, is, according to some scholars, derived from the name Asokan or Asakan, ancient inhabitants of the Hindu Kush region mountains, you know, the mountainous regions of the Hindu Kush. Asokan literally means horsemen or horse breeders or cavalrymen from Aswa or Aspa, which is a Sanskrit word for horse, Ashwa. And Avestan, word for horse. Historically, Afghan was used to refer to ethnic Pashtuns. The later part of the name, Stan, is a Persian suffix for place of. Therefore, Afghanistan translates to the land of the Afghans or the land of the Pashtuns. This is all more in a historical sense. Afghanistan doesn't have Freemasonry or rather it never had Freemasonry. But why are we covering it today? Because one of the emirs, His Majesty Habibullah Khan, was born in 1872, was a Freemason. And the interesting part is he became a Freemason in India, in Calcutta. Let me just share a quick and a really interesting story about the same. Now, the British government in 1906 invited the Emir to visit India and Sir Arthur Henry McMahon, the chief commissioner of Baluchistan, was placed in charge of all matters connected with his stay in India. A few days after uh, Habibullah Khan's arrival, he actually asked Sir Henry by expressing a wish that he wants to become a Freemason. But Sir Henry actually gave him no encouragement because he had no idea about his motives. As a matter of fact, he didn't even know how did he even come to know about Freemasonry. Because as I said, Freemasonry technically didn't exist in that region. Now, the Amir returned on the subject on several occasions, but Sir Henry didn't give him any, well, no success on his side. Finally, once Henry gave in and asked him, how did he learn about Freemasonry? And the answer that he got was, he had met good men who were Masons. Now, that's interesting, right? But he knew Freemasonry was a good thing and wanted to enter into this organization. And since he knew something about operative Masonry, it made sense. And as a matter of fact, it was very evident that he actually knew about Freemasonry because the places where they used to visit, when Sir, Her, uh, Sir Henry Arthur McMahon and uh, Habibullah Khan were visiting some of the places in India, especially the Mughal emperor's tombs and some of the older buildings, they used to find these Freemason mark or rather a Masonic mark on the stones of these tombs. And Habibullah Khan was easily recognized all of them. Shishir, now don't you think so? that's interesting? coming from a person who actually is from a place where it doesn't exist, but he still knows everything about it, or rather at least something about it. That is fascinating indeed, Rinesh. And let me add to this point in two different ways. All right. See, there is one part of it that is straight up visible to you. Hmm. Now, in case of, you know, uh, uh, this Emir from Afghanistan, he recognized these markings 
and he also said that he has met good men who were actually masons and he had <laughs> some idea of operative masonry operative masonry are people who actually work on stones right they actually are into building you know buildings and what not now the one part is like i mentioned what is immediately visible to you you see a mark on a stone maybe you go to some historic site and you know if you have been following our podcast you'll realize that okay masonry was involved in this in some way the other thing is what is not immediately visible to you right up front the character of a person how they behave how they treat you sometimes people will behave very sweetly with you because they have ulterior motives they need you they want your you know something in return from you and they'll do whatever it takes even if it means treating you like a king once they get it from you they'll throw you away but if someone does not have ulterior motives they will genuinely treat you well right so that is the other part of it that might be you know uh, aloof to a casual or superficial you know kind of an observation uh, when you genuinely treat someone you know in a certain way in a, in a in a in a congenial you know good manner it literally shows and you cannot fake it and a person identifies that pattern and realizes that you actually are trying to be good and you know when it comes down to it it need not be a country or a place where masonry exists or not so long as there are good men out there doing good things for other people rinesh you wanted to say something now i completely agree and i really like the way you actually brought that point right end of the day those people who would have met uh, the amir right maybe they had some motive i don't know but in spite of that fact he actually saw the good in them and he kind of came to know that they were freemasons now that is what made him realize that maybe that organization has actually helped them to become that way or something on that point and this is why he brought that subject he, that's why he brought that subject uh, in front of henry anyway so coming back to the story uh, the amir and his uh, team was supposed to reach uh, calcutta on 28th of january of the same year and they were supposed to stay there for a week now considering that he has uh, brought this topic in front of sir henry arthur macmohan that he wants to become a freemason henry sir henry thought okay let's just give it a shot now this the problem is if the amir was to be made a freemason it could only be in calcutta because obviously they were there for at least a week so he had that much time and whatever masonic work has to be done must be done in one and the same meeting now those who are listening to us who do not know much about freemasonry will think it is simple right it's like you just go you kind of sign a paper or maybe just say yes i'm becoming a member but that's not the case it actually takes time because you need to get interviewed you need to understand who that person is and then considering that a person doesn't just become a freemason just by joining he actually has to complete his three degrees so all those things takes time now trying to do everything in one needs special permission but before we come to the permission there was only one lodge in calcutta which actually kind of met the requirement it was lodge concordia number no. 3102 it had an exclusive membership of british civil and military officers now why was this important because secrecy was the key amir was from a place which technically would not have agreed on such a foreign organization so and since he still wanted to be part of this secrecy was very important coming back to this point who would have helped sir henry in achieving this 
but none other than Lord Kitchener. He was the commander-in-chief of the army in India and he was also the district grandmaster of Punjab, which is basically like a head of the Punjab region and the Freemasonry. Now, he agreed not only just in the entire procedure, but also in the initiation, which is the first degree, the passing, which is the second degree, and raising on the same day of His Majesty Habibullah Khan. Now, the Grandmaster at that time obviously had uh, like there was a request from Sir Henry for ensuring that all these things happen within a day, and the Grandmaster gave the required dispensation or permission, and Sir Henry ensured everything else was in place. Now, here is another unusual feature: the proceedings of the entire ceremony was supposed to happen obviously in one day or rather, sorry, in one night. So basically they started the meeting somewhere around nine in the night, nine, nine thirty in the night, and they completed everything by 12 midnight. It did not help that the candidate Habibullah Khan expressed his unwillingness to take part in any portion of the ceremony until he clearly understands the nature of this. Since English was not his language, it was necessary to explain everything to him in his own language. And Sir Henry took up that portion. So every time somebody has to explain something to him, they will obviously speak in English. And Sir Henry is going to translate that into Persian, which is the one language which Sir Henry knew, and translated this in Persian and explained it to Habibullah Khan. Now, Shishir, don't you think that kind of shows the dedication which Habibullah Khan had, or rather the zeal which he had to understand what he is getting into? Very true and completely agree with that, uh, Rinesh. See, even today, in in today's time, anyone who's uh, expressing willingness to become a mason, um, you know, when they go down the process, they will be, at least in our lords, you know, there is a point where you have to, you know, do some documentation work. So there is a particular place where they make the candidate do that. And right where the candidate is filling in that form, there is one, you know, one uh, framed, uh, what do you say, one, it's a text thing, which is framed. And it says, be sure what you're getting into. Basically, that's what it tries to say. Be very clear that what you're trying to get into, and it should be your own willingness, your own free will that you're getting into masonry. You know, those words are framed in front of the potential candidate. That is one thing. And to make sure that the candidate knows what they're getting into, the Lodge members do their best to answer all the questions the candidate might have, even give more information to make sure the candidate understands what they get into. In the case of, you know, uh, Habibullah Khan, he was very clear that since English is not his first language, it makes more sense to, you know, ensure that he understands everything clearly and if Persian is the language he is most comfortable with just see the dedication of this lodge that did not just ensure that the language was comfortable and well understood by the candidate they also ensured that since he would be going back to a country where this is not prevalent they tried to ensure that he went back as a complete master mason and did all the three degrees in one go just for him now that tells me this, that good men who can get better are not freely or, you know, very abundantly available. There are few and far between. But when you do find that gem in a coal mine, you bloody well ensure that that gem is 
taken out from all of that you know mess is polished to its true potential and to make that happen you do whatever it takes so i think that is a kind of dedication not just in masonry anywhere else you know you find the right people and you hold on to them with dear life because great people are too too less to find even today mm-hmm. what do you think this i i seriously agree on this thing and this is something which we should learn that a candidate's request right should be accommodated and not only just that when we like you and me have now we can call us a what like a tenured uh, a small a little bit of tenure in freemasonry that we come and we actually give a lecture we give a charge we give explain certain things and just walk out but do we even look back and see whether the candidate was able to understand that well it might not be possible during that meeting but let's take some time and explain that to him so that he can actually understand the next time when these things are being repeated and it actually helps him in following it up earnestly that's that's what it matters anyway go, moving on to understand more on how this entire situation helped the british check out actually a youtube video of sapere aude episode number 208 from the emir of afghanistan how he helped in the allied victory during the first world war by brother bharat vi ipur the youtube link will be available in the show notes currently there are military lodges operating in afghanistan but they are not supposed to be like they are not like lodges in afghanistan kind of now these military lodges are technically traveling lodges so wherever the military troops go the lodge goes moving on shishir next country all right so the next country is pakistan so the name pakistan means literally a land of abundance in purity or a land in which the pure is abound in urdu and persian it references the word pak meaning pure in persian and pashto and the last part of the name stan like we mentioned earlier is a persian suffix for the place of so pakistan the place of abundant purity over to you ranesh pakistan too doesn't have freemasonry but had a vibrant masonic group when it was part of british india and even after its independence for some years it was in 1972 when the then president zulfikar ali bhutto banned freemasonry and many other foreign organizations in that country now masonic lodges were present in lahore karachi quetta peshawar uh, multan and rawalpindi some of them were regimental lodges so obviously they used to move between uh, calcutta they used to go to madras they will be in bombay they will be in uh, the northern part of india and then they would obviously all go all the way to lahore karachi rawalpindi uh, let's talk about some of the lodges here lahore lodge hope and perseverance consecrated in 1859 lodge ravi uh, i presume it is named after the river ravi concord lodge saint john the evangelist lodge lodge of industry Albert Victor Lodge, Kabul River Lodge, and Harding Lodge. There were uh, there was one Scottish lodge as well, Lodge Mabud A Suleiman Number Fifteen One Five Eight Zero, and Lodge Emerald Isle Number Nineteen, which is part of the Irish Constituency. Karachi had Salisbury Union Lodge, which was consecrated in eighteen fifty eight. Lodge Faith, Lodge Khan Bahadur, Rajkotwala, Indus Lodge, Sindhi Lodge, and Good Companions Lodge. they also had a scottish lodge called lodge hope of karachi i'll come back to that lodge 
Quetta had a Quetta Lodge, which was consecrated in 1889. Lodge Palmer, MacMahon Lodge. Uh, well, you know who MacMahon is. I just spoke about him regarding the whole Habibullah Khan episode. So that was consecrated in 1907, which, by the way, has now moved to England. Uh, Peshawar had Lodge Khyber. I'm assuming that is the place uh, that Khyber Pass, which is there. So obviously, uh, they wanted to name a lodge based on that. Roos Keppel Lodge, Lodge Jamrud in 1921. Multan had a lodge Satluj again one of the tributaries of Indus River so uh, which was consecrated in 1873 Rawalpindi had a Stuart lodge now let me talk about certain interesting fact the first masonic temple in lahore which was under the lodge of hope and perseverance was built in 1859 at lahore now the second masonic temple was built in 1914 using the same foundation stone from his first temple rudyard kipling was made a mason in the lodge of hope and perseverance in 1885 at the original lodge building under a dispensation why was the dispensation given because he was not completed his 21 years he actually got initiated in freemasonry before his 21st birthday why he actually was really good in bookkeeping i would say or rather in administrative work he actually served as a secretary of the lodge following his initiation as the lodge really needed someone who can help them with all the administrative work and rudyard kipling embraced freemasonry he actually has references of freemasonry in many of his work example uh, the novel kim uh, the short story the man who would be king the man who would be king actually is also a movie in uh, sean connery with michael kane and christopher plummer christopher plummer is actually the uh, is actually plays rudyard kipling in the movie uh, if you have the time please do watch the movie it's a really nice one now due to the partition of india into india and pakistan in august 1947 the scottish freemasonry which was there in uh, this region right the grand lodge they used to be called initially the grand lodge of all scottish freemasonry in india they changed their nomenclature in 1948 to be called grand lodge of united scottish freemasonry of india and pakistan by 1959 they removed the pakistan word from it and they formed a separate district for pakistan and it was uh, the existing one was called the grand lodge of united scottish freemasonry of india and ceylon ceylon being sri lanka uh, you actually need to read an article by akhtar baluch in the dawn newspaper you will even find it on the website to learn more about the masonic hall in karachi where lodge hope of karachi used to conduct their meetings lodge hope of karachi by the way is a scottish lodge now that lodge after the ban moved back to scotland is currently a research and lecture lodge i actually got the opportunity to attend one couple of their virtual meetings and i have assisted uh, brother bharat ipur in presenting a topic to this lodge lodge hope of karachi and we actually showed them some of the old photographs of that lodge uh, most of these photographs were taken from the newspaper article by akhtar baluch itself if you get time please do search for that and you should be able to see how amazing that old building was how they used that old uh, the, the structure is really good by the way the caretaker still lives there he uh, there is some, apparently some legal battle going on not that it matters as of now the masonic halls in lahore and karachi are currently occupied by government offices that we go freemasonry was really vibrant in pakistan at one point of time so now moving on to bangladesh The term Bangla is a major native name for both the Bengal region and the Bengali language. They are both derived from Bangla, the Persian word for the region. The Indo-Aryan suffix desh 
is derived from the Sanskrit word desha, which means land or country. Hence the name Bangladesh, meaning land of Bengal or country of Bengal. Again, Freemasonry currently is not there in Bangladesh. And even though it didn't get banned the way it was banned in Pakistan, it unfortunately died a slow death after the formation of the country. But till then, Freemasonry thrived in this region, considering Freemasonry entered India via Calcutta, if you would have heard of earlier episodes. And the current Bangladesh country, right, was part of the larger Bengal presidency. Now, so much so that there is a, there was a lodge called the Fifth Lodge of Bengal, which was formed in Dhaka. But I couldn't find the warrant date for that. Post that, Lodge Good Hope, which was in 1858. Zariel Lodge, uh, uh, Dhaka Lodge, which was earlier known as Peace and Progress Lodge. These are some of the lodges which were there. Uh, while searching about it in Google, I found an article from a newspaper. And this is the gist of the article. Uh, quote, in Paltan of the city of Dhaka, there is a mysterious two-storied building which belongs to a Jewish club known as the Freemasons. Inside, they secretly engage in discussion of politics, religion, and at parties with dancing. Unquote. Shishir, what do you want to say about that? I, I added the whole oom, the factor just yeah. for dramatic effect. <laughs> you know, so let me, uh, let me just add to this. When you don't know something or when you don't understand something, you're bound to make assumptions. Nothing wrong in doing that because we, the human brain wants to reason out whatever it is experiencing or seeing, but is unable to understand or, you know, assimilate. Masonry does not encourage discussions of politics or religion within the four walls of its temple. There are definitely no parties with dancing. <laughs> My God, that is the most <laughs> absurd thing I've read somewhere. Parties with dancing. But yeah, okay. So <laughs> coming back to the serious part of it, there is no such thing that happens. And, you know, this is purely coming out of speculation. But at the end of the day, uh, it also shows or rather illustrates the dangers of assuming, presuming, or let me say even making up one's own alternate version of reality based on the little few bits of information that people might get. So unless we know something for sure, better to not speculate and spread false information. You're really not helping if you do that. <laughs> oh, so you're really true. Yeah. Uh, well, I actually found I well actually found a better article on a, another website that talks about how the locals used to call it Jewish Club. The building was constructed in 1910 and is located at the corner of Purana Paltan in Dhaka. According to the many residents of Paltan, the Jewish club got abandoned after independence. Now, building, by the way, is now an administrative building used by a division of the Ministry of Land of Bangladesh. Uh, both Pakistan and Bangladesh, what I realized is the locals had a very nice way of talking what this club is all about. Uh, by the way, in Pakistan, it used to be called as the Jadugar or House of uh, Magic or Mystery House or something. Uh, they even used to be called some other other uh, names as well. And in Bangladesh, it is called Jewish Club. Wow, really interesting. Anyway, moving on to the next country. So before we go there, let me just add to the uh, Jadugar part that Rinesh mentioned. So in some places, it is also called as Bhut Bangla. And uh, Jadui Ghar. Uh, Jadui Ghar, like it's a Hindi this one, but what it means is the a magical house or the house of magic. Uh, Bhut Bangla. Bhut means uh, ghost. 
and bungla means like a bungalow or you know a villa or a house or a building so yeah again going back to the same point where people don't understand what's going on what's happening what it is they just make up their own alternate realities and it either goes the ghostly direction or it goes <laughs> no, in the mystical direction but shishir uh, you know the bhoot bangla concept right i was trying to understand why this name would have got stuck with uh, freemasonry um freemasonry or rather masonic meetings happens in the evening when people obviously get decked up wearing a suit right, or right. and they meet at a place which is at night now in the older time right you kind of finish all your work by after evening you don't actually have any work after that now this i'm talking about for those places where ideally your day to day work is from morning till evening that's it and after that you spend time with your family now why are these guys meeting outside somewhere and being very happy about it so there has to be something sinister happening i completely agree with the point that since we don't know about it we'll just speculate we'll just add those things but that whole concept of this whole ghost part or rather the magical part must have definitely come thanks to the fact that we meet in the evenings and well we can't meet in the afternoons i have to still go to work i can't meet in the morning i need to do some work i obviously have the only time which is available is evening so well anyway let me uh, add one more bit uh, you know and this is more on a lighter vein um, hmm. if you think about the it crowd oh yeah we get really <laughs> busy in the evenings because of our calls with uh, you know our partners in the us and what not <laughs> so the modern oh version God. of booth bangla is literally on our computers now <laughs> yes so true all right so moving on to the next country is myanmar or burma Both names derive from the earlier Burmese name or word as Myanmar or Myanmar. An antonym for the majority Burmar ethnic group or you know of uncertain etymology. The terms are also popularly thought to be derived from Brahma Desha from Sanskrit after the Lord Brahma. There isn't any Freemasonry today in Myanmar, but as it was ruled by the British it definitely had one earlier. Now following the third Anglo-Burmese war of 1885 Burma was annexed to British India the large number of military personnel shipped in to fight in these conflicts had to manage and administer the country now they brought with them several traveling military lodges of english scottish and irish constitutions masonry was practiced in the garrison towns of burma the controlling masonic body in this part under the english constitution was initially the masonic district of british india it was uh, between the first two anglo burmese war like in 1847 that the first english grand lodge warrant was issued to lodge philanthropy number no. 542 in maulmain masonry in burma flourished over the next 22 years with the with further six warrants being issued lodge star of burma in rangoon arakan lodge in akyab lodge astroya in uh, thaimtuan Lodge Victoria in uh, Rangoon oh sorry lo- sorry Lodge Victoria in Burma in Rangoon Lodge Green Law in Tongho and Lodge of the Isles interestingly in Port Blair of Andaman Islands there were some other 8 to 10 more lodges there were also scottish lodges there were three of them Lodge Addy number 832 Lodge Victoria in Rangoon and then Peace and Harmony which was consecrated in 1952 Uh, on 18th January 1908, 1908, the foundation stone of Freemasons Hall in Simpson Road was laid by the Deputy District Grand Master of English Freemasonry in Burma. 
as I said, there were regimental lodges. So along with that, Irish lodges also, which were part of regimental, used to roam around British India, including in Burma. But there were no Irish lodges consecrated in Burma. So quite the history that we have seen in our neighboring countries, isn't it, Rinesh? Yes. When you look at the way Freemasonry actually came, and in a very in, in a simple nutshell, right? Freemasonry came with the travelers. It's as simple as that. Now, when they used to travel, they wanted a place where they can actually uh, live. They can, because you are coming in a place, this is a new land for them. And as a matter of fact, let me quote one very important uh, paragraph from a book, which I was reading. Uh, this is uh, the book by Jessica Harlan Jacobs. In 1785, quote, by the way, in quote, in 1785, the Reverend Joshua Weeks explained to Freemasons gathered to hear his St. John's Day address in Halifax, Nova Scotia, that they possessed a key that would give them, quote, admittance to the brotherhood, unquote, anywhere in the world. Quote, were the providence of God to cast you on an unknown shore, were you to travel through any distant country, though ignorant of its language, ignorant of its inhabitants, ignorant of its customs, unquote. He assured his listeners. Now, the key word here was open the treasures of their charity. The following year, after 1785, 1786, on the other side of the Atlantic, the Grand Lodge of England at that time issued a proclamation that revealed the profound accuracy of this remark. Freemasonry's reputation for taking care of its members had become so well known and its network so extensive that it just spread like wildfire. Very beautifully put, and that quote was amazing, Ranesh. At the end of the day, you know, the spread of masonry in India, like you rightly put, right? It all came with the travelers. It did not exist before uh, these people showed up. But I will also True. say this, that masonry that spread in India with the Britishers has spread in the way we see and understand and practice it. In today's time, we have rituals, we have buildings, we have symbols, signs and whatnot. But in essence, in its very core of being a Freemason, is nothing but a humble human being trying to do his part to build a better society. What do you say to that, Ranesh? I, well, no other words. This is absolutely true. Perfect, right? So... Those of you who have been listening to our podcast or who have just listened to a few of our episodes, if you are thinking that, hey, this kind of makes sense to me, maybe I should be a Mason too. Let me just say this, that you don't need to be a Freemason to be a good person. Freemasonry is one of those ways that can help you, guide you on that path. But at the end of the day, the path is actually still in front of you. If you are an atheist, then maybe it is your ideals in life which tell you right from wrong. If you are someone who believes in a God but are not a Mason, open your you know uh, religious book, listen to the uh, you know priests that uh, are are leading your congregations, listen to their message, listen to the teachings of the great scholars of your religions. Even they are not wrong, right? Even they can give you a light. Freemasonry is one of the several ways that leads you to that single path of being a better person. So, if you still want to be a Mason, please feel free to write to us. Our email is in our show notes. 
um you can you know google uh, about masonry about the grand lords of india our websites are also there there are so many nice podcasts not just from india but even from us and uk and several other countries where you can learn from different perspectives feel free to do your research understand as much as possible on your own time and then maybe reach out that way you also have a much better idea and you also are a little more sure of what you want to uh, achieve by becoming a becoming a freemason that makes the conversation that much more better with that folks we are come towards the end of this first part of this particular episode the second part will be coming out soon i hope sincerely hope that you have been enjoying all these episodes that we have put together uh, it's been an amazing journey and uh, yeah anything you want to add ranesh from your end nothing i think uh, i really thoroughly enjoyed this because this has given me the opportunity to do my research and reading or rather sorry in searching about how freemasonry came to our country how did it spread and not just for that like yeah i can as as we said right i can really or rather we both can really sum it up by saying yeah traveling lodges these guys came these guys came as in they came they saw and they just spread freemasonry but no the stories which we got to hear the interactions which we had with our fellow brethren the interactions which we had with people who were not masons that has made us i would say a teeny tiny little bit better than what we were yesterday this knowledge this interaction always helps man is a social animal and we really need that interaction and well we both found a way through our podcast to reach out to to as many people as possible we found out a way to get these questions we found out a way what we need to answer we even found out a way that if we don't have an answer we will search for it and try to come back to you we are not experts we are just humble people trying to make sure that we spread the right information to the crowd very well put and that pretty much also sums up the you know the central idea of uh, renation myself starting this podcast spreading the true and correct information about masonry and who better than a bunch of masons who are telling it the way it is so with that folks thank you so much for your support for your love for your time uh, feel free to share our uh, our podcast with your circles write to us if you feel we can be better if there is something that we have probably uh, mentioned incorrectly we would love to correct ourselves so feel free to let us know of such things as well so with that this is shishir signing off and this is ridesh see you soon Well, that just about wraps it up folks. We sincerely hope that you liked our episode and got a glimpse into the fascinating world of Freemasonry. And what better way than to hear about it from those who are the humble members of the Gentle Craft. If you have any queries about what we shared on this episode or generally on this podcast or even about Freemasonry, please check out the show notes. for links to the grand lords of india's website or feel free to write us an email please do look forward to the next episode